Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Uh, My vocabulary is not great enough to give him the praise that he's worthy of. Uh, One man said, if I had 10,000 tongues, I could never praise him enough. If I praised him from now unto all eternity, when it began to measure the grace and the mercy that he's shown towards me. What a great, big, wonderful God that we serve today. Could you clap your hands to the Lord all across the house? God, we worship you today. It is so wonderful to see each and every one in the house of the Lord. Always a privilege to stand in the sanctuary of the righteous. And so we give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd. So happy that my family's with me today. And Shiloh's going to be turning three years old on Thursday, this coming Thursday. I think they say when you turn three, the terrible twos are instantly over. So I'm holding on to that promise. But good to see everyone smiling faces. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter. And we're going to begin to the 28th verse. We're going to read down to verse number 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. And we're going to read down to verse number 30. And it's the words of Jesus Christ. And he tells us this. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus said in the 28th verse, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to preach to us today on this subject, God's open invitation. God's open invitation. Can we lift our hands? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for every individual that is here today. God, we pray that you would open the windows of heaven, open up the floodgates, pour out blessings that cannot be contained. God, strengthen those that are weak, encourage those that are discouraged, and bless those that are standing in need of a touch of you. God, we give you all praise, give you all glory, and give you all honor in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Uh, Well, throughout the word of the Lord, we find example after example of God sending offers to his people. A time where heaven is open and humanity is allowed temporary 
access. It was in Isaiah, the 55th chapter, with the children of Israel struggling and enduring adversity, that the prophet begins to proclaim a message. In Isaiah 55 and 1, he said, Everyone that is thirsty, come ye to the waters. And he that has no money, come and buy and eat. Here an invitation is sent out to anyone who is hungry and to anyone who is thirsty, regardless of our age, our gender, our nationality, our income level. We have this invitation to receive what God is doing. How we can eat of his food and drink of his waters. And his waters are not normal waters, but they're waters of life. Jesus said in John 37 and 37, he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Here this prophet was giving this message that if you are tired, if you are weary, if you are worn out, you can come and receive the blessing that only comes from the Lord. And I remember, it wasn't long ago we were at home and we had checked the mail. And going through all the pieces of mail and, and in one of those uh, flyers, it kind of caught my attention. It's from the Mercedes-Benz dealership. and I don't know if they mixed up my information with somebody else's, but I got something from the Mercedes-Benz dealership. And it uh, really stuck out to me. It said I could purchase a brand-new Mercedes for $299 a month. I told Ashley, uh, we're going to head on down to the dealership right now. But if you lived any length of time, you'll know you better look somewhere on that flyer for some fine print. Down at the bottom, there's a line that said, for very well-qualified buyers only. I'm going to tell you what that means. It means you got the invitation, but it's not an approval that you've been accepted. And I'm going to tell you, that's part of the world that you and I are living in. There's a lot of lights and a lot of flashing, but when it comes right down to it, oftentimes it's exactly what it is. It's just a little smoke and mirrors. But when it comes to the Lord, he does not operate the same way that the world operates. If you look for his special clause, if you look for his fine print, he says, come ye to the waters and drink. And if you have no money, you can still come and you can still buy and you can still eat. That's what I love about the Lord. He gives us what we cannot get anywhere else. He does not put us through a pre-approval process. He does not run our credit score and he does not look into our background history. But he said if you are hungry, if you are thirsty, you can come and you can receive what only I can get. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are weak, I can strengthen you. If you are discouraged, I can encourage you. If you are sick, I can heal you. If you are stagnant, I can light a fire under you. Whatever you need from me, I can do it for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
That prophet went on in that 55th chapter and he said, Why are we spending our money on bread that does not satisfy? We are exerting our energy and our effort and our time and our resources on things that do not bring happiness and joy and peace. But the more we spend, the more stressed we become. The more we give of our money and give of our resources, give of our time. We are not getting what our spirit is crying out for. Because in this life, there are things that money just cannot buy. Uh, we can try our best, but it does not really do the trick. We can buy bed, but you can't buy sleep. You can buy medicine, but you can't buy healing. You can buy books, but you can't buy wisdom. You can buy a clock, but you can't buy time. But Solomon said in Proverbs 23 and 23, you can buy the truth and you can sell it not. Once you buy the truth, it's something that money will never substitute for. Jesus said in John 8, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 14, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. When you buy the truth, you're buying into Christ. When you buy the truth, you're buying into Jesus, and he never lets us down. He never turns us back on us. He never abandons us out in the field, but he walks with us. He talks with us. He is with us every step of the way. Oh, hallelujah. He never lets us down. And sometimes you don't know what you have until it passes you by. The apostle said in James chapter 4 and verse 14, he said, What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Life has a way of getting faster the older you get. Time doesn't slow down. Time is not a respecter of persons. And when our time comes to an end, when I breathe my last breath and when my final chapter is published, there is no restart. There is no reset button that I can push. But when it's over, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it is just simply over. So this time we have to take advantage of while we have the opportunity. Just like any invitation to a wedding or to an event or to a celebration. Somewhere on that piece of paper, you'll find most likely at the bottom, it says, please RSVP by, and it'll be a particular date. And you can have all the intention of going to this event. You can make plans and preparations. You may have your car loaded and your bags packed. But if you don't tell the sender yes, then they have to assume you are responding with a resounding no. If there's no reply, if there's no reaction, if there's no response, you can be planning on it and your mind, you can be thinking about it. But until you make it known, then they'll assume you will not be there. 
that's when the presence of the Lord moves in the sanctuary and we feel the power of the Holy Ghost come upon us and you feel the tug on your heart. We may feel it and we may have an intention of responding, but until we make some kind of action, until we tell the Lord, I feel you, and now I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to ready my mind. I'm going to let my spirit be willing. Until we make that decision, as says, God, I feel you, and now I'm going to let you know. Then he has to assume we're not going to make a move. That's why when I feel his presence, I don't want to take it for granted one time. When I feel like the Lord is talking to my heart, speaking to my soul, I want to make sure I let him know somehow, some way. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for reaching for me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for still believing in me somewhere, some way. See, it was in Matthew, the 22nd chapter that we find Jesus teaching. And he's with his disciples, and they've all gathered around, and he begins to tell of a story. And in this story, he says there was a king of the land who had a son who was going to be married. And so when this king found out that his son was going to be married, he was just so excited and thrilled beside himself so he let everybody know, we are going to have a wedding unlike any other wedding you've ever attended. We're going to spare no expense. We're going to break out the fine china. We're going to cook the most delicious food that's ever been in your mouth. We're going to have the very best of the best. And so the festivities were being planned and the food was being prepared. And the decorations were being put up. And the king found some servants of his. And he commissioned them to go out and to find these houses that were given to them. And they were to walk down these streets. And they were to knock on these doors. And when the person opened the door, they were to read the invitation and to read it clearly and not to miss any detail. And so I, I can just envision these servants leaving the palace. And maybe they're riding in a chariot or maybe they're riding on a horse. And they're going down these roads and visiting these neighborhoods and finally come to these homes. And they knock on the door and the answer comes. And the people are standing in the doorway and they begin to read the invitation. That your presence has been requested by the king himself. The king wants you to be in attendance at the wedding of his son. It's going to be unlike any other wedding that you've attended in the past. We are going to have the best that money can buy. And the king wants you to come personally. But what happened next took these servants by surprise and left them in astonishment and amazement because even though they've been invited by the king himself, they told these men, no, I don't think we're going to come. It's almost just dumbfounded. They're standing there. Are you sure? 
do you know who it is that's asking you to come? Uh, this is not your aunt you haven't seen in 20 years getting married for the fifth time, okay? This is the wedding of the king's son. He wants you to be there. You're going to walk in the palace now. You're going to eat the finest foods that money can buy. No, we're not coming. So they come back to the palace and they explain to the king that we did what you told us to do. We read the scroll. We gave the invitation. And they said they're not coming. I remember when Ashley and I got engaged and we trying to get everything done for the wedding. And they decided to have this invitation. Fill out all these invitations and make all the plans. And so family members were there. And we had bought the invitations. And we sit down at the table. And we're writing the addresses down. And after a few invitations, somebody looks at me and says, What are you doing? So I, th I think I'm just writing the address down on the invitations. They say, you can't write that sloppy. Am I the only brother that's ever been in a situation like this before? I said, well, I'm trying my best. They said, well, we might need to put, it, put you on a different task. And I said, okay. They said, this is, we're going to hand you the stamps, and you're going to put the stamp in the corner of the envelope. That's pretty humbling when your only job is to put the stamp on the corner of the envelope. But okay, if that's what you want, want me to do. And so we're all working together, and, and they're filling out the invitations, and they hand me the card, and I take the card, and I take the stamp, and I put it on the corner, and I put it in the box. And we do this for a few minutes, and after a little while, her aunt looked over at me and said, What are you doing? I'm just putting the stamps on the corner. They said, that is way too crooked. We're going to put you on a different task. You know what task they gave me? They let me hold the box while they put the envelopes in the box. I kind of wonder why I was even there. But I'm going to tell you something. Once I bought the invitations, and once we filled them out, and I'd been corrected by every woman in the family... And I drop them off at the post office after I pay for all the stamps. Uh, you got the nerve and the audacity not to reply to my invitation. I'm going to let you know there is not another one coming a few weeks later. You might as well forget it. You don't reply to the first invitation. There will not be a second one arriving on your mailbox. Huh? But this king. He said, I know they rejected me the first time, but I want you to go back to the same houses, and I want you to go back to the same neighborhoods, go down the same streets and the same roads, and I want you to read the invitation again. That tells me a little bit about the character of this king. This king was patient. This king was kind. This king was considerate. Some, when they get an authority, they're mean and they're rude and they're ugly. I'm not much interested in that kind of leadership. But this king was so gentle. He was so good. He was so compassionate. He said, I, 
they probably don't realize what they're doing. They may not understand the mistakes that they are making. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to help them by sending another invitation. Wow, how amazing that is. So the servant said, okay. This time the king said, before you start reading the scroll, I want you to listen to what I have to say. Tell them exactly everything that's going to be done. Tell them they are going to be able to walk in the palace, the place they don't normally get to go. Tell them they are going to sit and eat from the finest dishes, the dishes that royalty eats from. Tell them they are going to sit at the table with princes and rulers and dignitaries. Tell them they are going to listen to the very best musicians on the face of the earth. Tell them they are going to eat the most delicious filet mignons and baked potatoes. Tell them they are going to eat the chocolate cakes and coconut cream pies and a pineapple upside down cake and Y'all pray for me. I've lost my concentration for a minute. Tell them they're going to have the best of the best of the best of the best. Okay, if that's what you want us to do, then that's what we'll do. And so they leave the palace and they set out on this journey, riding these horses and sitting in these chariots. And now they've arrived at their destination. They get out. And they walk towards these homes and they knock on these doors and the door opens again. This time they read it and they read it to a T. They make sure they didn't miss a beat, giving every explanation that the king has said to give. But when they heard the invitation the second time, Matthew 22 and 5 tells us the response of these people. The Bible says that they actually made light of it. Or they began to mock. They began to ridicule. They began to slander, saying, why have you come to our house again? We've already told you we're not interested in going to that wedding. We've already explained once before, we're not going to be there. So don't put our name on the list. We've got bigger things going on in our lives. We've got better things to do. We've got houses we have to clean. We have animals to tend to. We have lives that are busy, and we will not be in attendance. So by now, these messengers are nervous. How are we going to explain this to the king? What if he gets angry, angry at them, but he takes it out on us? How are we going to phrase this? How how are we going to explain this to the king? So every step they're taking, their heart is racing. Every step they're taking, they're trying to figure out a solution in their mind. What words can we use? What kind of explanation can we give? Finally, they walk back into the palace. They go to the room where the king is. The king stands up. What did the people have to say? They said, King, we told them everything. We explained that they're going to eat in the palace. They're going to be at this event unlike any other. 
We told them that they're going to have the best food that they've ever tasted. And they're going to have musicians and singers that are going to play and sing so beautiful. There's going to be entertainment and activities that they can't participate in anywhere else. We're trying our very best to do all that we can, but they don't want to come. And the king stands there shocked for a second How can that be? How do they not want to come and be part of this celebration? Did you tell them that the food we're going to have prepared? Did you tell them how it's going to be beautifully and gorgeously decorated? Did you tell them all they're going to participate in? Did you explain that if they come to this event, they'll be able to walk down a street of gold? Did you tell them that if they come to this event, they'll get to be a gate of pearl? and a wall of jasper. Did you tell them that in this event it's not going to be like the world and the life that they've always known, but this event is going to be an event where there's no sadness and no sorrow and no heartbreak and no weariness and no turmoil and no dysfunction. And they still don't want to come. They said no. Now the king starts to get a little upset. He says, well, if they don't want to come, we're going to do things different. We're going to have an open invitation. And whoever wants to come, they'll be allowed to come. This is what we're going to do. If the rich don't want to come, we're going to go and invite the poor. If those that are in the upper class don't want to come, you're going to follow my instruction. Go find the halt. Go find the maimed. Go find the blind. Go find the outcast. Go find the rejects. Go find those that are struggling and invite them to this wedding. Oh, hallelujah. There were those that were re- that were rejected Jesus. And Jesus said, now, because I've been rejected by my own, I'm going to open this up for whosoever will. And Jesus said, and I'm coming for those that have ruined themselves. I'm coming for those that have been addicted. I'm coming for those that live in a state of turmoil. I'm coming for those that have cried so many tears and slept so many sleepless nights. I'm coming for those that lived in the poor and the poverty and the dysfunction of the world. Let everybody know that you don't have to make a certain amount to come to the wedding. You don't have to be from a certain lineage. You don't have to have a pedigree. You don't have to have a church background or religious history, but you can come from the rough side of the neighborhood. You can come if you live on the wrong side of the track. You can come if you've messed yourself up and ruined your future. It's an open invitation. Now anybody can have this special event and be part of it. Oh, I'm overwhelmed with gratefulness that God saw me in my state. And the songwriter said he didn't just reach down to save me, but he reached way down. He reached down to a life that was depressed and discouraged. He reached down to somebody that was suicidal, that was addicted and was bound. He reached to somebody that should have never had a chance, that should have never had an opportunity. 
He invited somebody that was unworthy, unfit, unqualified, and undeserving. He invited me, gave me a chance of a lifetime. God is inviting us today to be part of his kingdom. We don't deserve to be part of his kingdom. I, I, I don't feel like I even belong in the church because I've made mistakes just like you have. Oh, there's shortcomings just like all of us have made. And yet he still welcomes us into his home, welcomes us into his house, welcomes us into his church, welcomes us into his kingdom. That's the kind of king that we serve. He looks beyond faults and flaws and failures and sees potential and possibility and promise. Oh, can we lift our hands to the Lord for just a moment? Oh, I feel his presence here today. I feel the touch of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, in Jesus' name. I want to leave you at this last thought before I close is a testimony that I heard from this sister not long ago, and it really stuck out to me. She said that when she was younger, she had dated this young man, and they were together for some time, and they had really fallen in love. And uh, things just began to progress, and she didn't know it. But he decided he was going to ask the big question. He was going to ask her to be his wife. And so he made reservations at a fancy restaurant he couldn't really afford. And they wear the best clothes they had. They come to this restaurant and his hands are shaking. His heart's racing. He could barely put sentences together. Finally, he decides, I'm going to do it. Reaches into his pocket, grabs that ring out, gets down on one knee and asks that infamous question, will you marry me? After a moment, she said, well, I love you so much, but I'm just not ready to get married. I just feel like I can't commit yet. I just need to date around a few more people, and then maybe I can let you know. What she didn't know was when you put it all on the line like that, you don't always get another chance. There's not always another go around. And so was it long before he ended up going his way and she went her way? And 30 years had passed by, 30 years. She said, I was in the grocery store and just happened to bump into him and said everything you're supposed to say, trying to be polite and kind. And he asked how everything turned out of my life, if I ever found anybody else. And she said, yes, after we split up, a few years had passed, and I finally found somebody. I really loved him, had some problems, didn't quite know all the problems, but they started to show in time. 
She said, I don't really know why I'm telling you, but it wasn't the best relationship I've ever been in. He was abusive, and I just kind of made my peace with this. The bed I made, I had to lay in it. She said, but then something changed when I found out he was being mean to the kids and hurting our kids, and I decided I, I just can't do this anymore. Come to find out he had warrants for his arrest and doing things I had no idea he was doing. Long story short, we had to go to a shelter for a little while, but things got better, and my life's been better. She said, but you don't want to know about all my problems, all my Sad stories. How did everything go in your life? Did you ever find anybody else? And he said, yes, a few years passed, and I found somebody. We really fell in love and got married. Had two beautiful kids, boy and girl. So we started a business years ago, and it's really flourished and prospered. As a matter of fact, just a couple of years ago, we sold our business for nearly $3 million dollars able to retire early, sent the kids to college, everything fully paid. We're just traveling the world, having the time of our life. And she said, I stood in that grocery store, and I thought back 30 years ago to that restaurant. Somebody got down and gave me an invitation, someone who was never going to hurt me, take advantage of me, someone who was going to make sure all my needs were supplied and would never leave me alone. When I heard that, there was something that just triggered on the inside, and I thought, oh, how many times does God reach for people? He will never hurt them. He will be with them. He will supply all of their needs. I've lived long enough now that I've watched as some they felt his invitation. They have felt his presence. I've been in Sunday morning services, you have as well, where I know God moved on the hearts of the people. I know they felt they were connected to the preaching. I know they could feel what I was feeling. And it's not because they didn't love God, not because they didn't believe in God. They just wouldn't commit. Sometimes, if you don't commit to God, you're going to commit to something else. But I've watched as years pass by and some of those very same people would come back to church and they would say, I wish I would have given my life to God when I was younger. I wish I would have saved myself a lot of heartache, would have saved myself a lot of trouble, would have saved myself some crazy people in my life. Because I wouldn't commit. I missed out on what God had for me. Jesus got up and he said, if you want it, you can have it. If you're tired of being sick and tired, come on. I'll give you what you need. Are you tired of feeling by yourself? Are you tired of feeling all alone? I'm the one. I could be your friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll be the one that never hurts you and never abandons you and never forsakes you. I'll be the one that walks with you when you're going through the valley. I'll be the one that will stand with you when life gets tough. His invitation is here, but it's up to us. If we're going to respond 
to his invitation. I wonder today as every head is bowed and every eye is closed with nobody looking around, would you open your heart with me just for a moment? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.